It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning, 63 very comfortable degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape by whatever means possible and doable, mostly through telephone conversations, as you know. My number is 404-872-0750, and I'm here to answer on any topic. Lawns, shrubs, trees, flowers, bugs, critters. If you can think of something that uh, is outside of that, then we'll even consider it. But inside, lawn, shrubs, trees, flowers, vines, indoor houseplants, bugs, critters, if you have got a question about when, what, why, how, any of that stuff, give me a call. Again, 404-872-0750. And as I drove in this morning, I was thinking that there are some times of year that are so specific for certain garden tasks. There's certain times of the year that the best time to do it is this date, this date, this date. Today, I declare this day in September to be the perfect weekend for planting a fescue lawn. This is just awesome. I want to go home today. I want to see tillers and I want to see topsoil being spread. I want to see everybody within the sound of my voice, if they need to, planting fescue seed for their lawn because it's just great the soil is warm everything is ready to receive those little bitty fescue seeds and if you water it in or maybe we get a little rain next week according to kirk's forecast and that'll be nice to get the little seeds wet and they'll germinate and then the because the soil is so warm the seeds come up and within just two three maybe weeks you'll have this really really nice looking lawn because you plant it at a time when the seeds can germinate when they can come up give a little fertilizer and low 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 we have got a gorgeous looking fescue lawn again starting right now this is prime time prime time to plant or replant or overseed a little bit in your fescue lawn so think about that if you have questions about the process or about what you need to do and what you need to buy and how you need to do it again 404 872 0750. I might uh, let's go over it a little bit. You know, I might as well just say the facts and not wait for somebody to ask the question. If you have a lawn that is more than 50% fescue, you can do overseeding, which means just putting seed over an existing lawn and, and uh, letting the fescue germinate amongst the bare spots in your lawn. If you have a lot of uh, weeds in the lawn, it's maybe 25% fescue and the rest of it is weeds, then in that case, you're almost better to start over, to, to kill the fescue that's there, to do a little tilling if you can possibly, possibly get a tiller and do a little tilling to loosen at least a couple of inches, maybe three or four inches if you're really good with it. But uh, if you have a lot of weeds, it doesn't really make sense to plant fescue amongst them because the weeds and the fescue will compete with each other for a while. So it's easier if you don't have much fescue to go ahead and just kill everything and start all over again. But the process of putting the seeds down begins with, and I literally mean this, it begins with knowing how many thousand square feet you have in your lawn area because everything is predicated on knowing that you have 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, or whatever square feet that you have in your lawn area. If you know that, then we can decide how many pounds of seed you need, how much uh, water should be applied to it, how much um, fertilizer needs to, be, needs to be applied as well. And I have this sneaking suspicion that there are a lot of people 
and I'm including myself in this same boat, I think there are a lot of people who don't really have an accurate measurement of the area. They can sort of say, I can sort of say I have 4,000 square feet in the front and the back, and uh, that's my total, and so I can divide my fertilizer or my seeds or whatever according to 4,000 square feet. But it seems to me that a lot of people have never gone out with a, either just pacing it off and you know multiplying the length times the width and getting two or three uh, rectangles in your lawn and then adding them all up together to find out the square footage. It just seems to me a lot of people just look and say, well, I guess we've got about five, six, two thousand square feet. <laughs> you know, they're a little bit hesitant to really say how many thousand square feet they have, but you got to know that. If you don't know that, then you end up applying either too much or too little of the things that you're putting down. So let's say the first step to having a fescue lawn is to measure it and find out how much, how much area you have. All right, so once you know the area that you have, then if you have, uh, if your idea is to overseed a little bit to get the bare spots to have grass in them, then generally speaking, it's around four, maybe five pounds of seed per thousand square feet. And don't go over that. Don't say, well, I got another 20 pounds here. I'm just going to throw it out in the lawn after you've done the first application. No, you don't need to do more seed than is, than is called for. Again, four to five pounds for overseeding an area seems to be about right. And if you put more than that, if you put 10, 15 pounds per thousand square feet, you're liable to end up with some plant diseases, some grass diseases that'll wipe them all out next year. So four or five pounds if you're overseeding, and then if you just decide to start all over, you're going to till it, you're going to rake it, you're going to make it nice and, and smooth and uniform, then we could go up to six or seven, maybe maybe eight pounds per thousand square feet. That won't hurt anything. But again, don't just say, because I have a half a bag left over, we're going to put that out there too. Uh, not such a good idea. So once you spread the uh, seeds at the right rate, and then maybe a little fertilizer wouldn't wouldn't hurt anything. Turf fertilizers work fine. Starter fertilizers work fine. You can use anything that you find at the garden center at Pike. They have plenty of good products and starter fertilizers can be put down. Again, knowing how many thousand square feet you have, and it'll say on the bag how much of the product to put down. A little bit of hay, not much, not a lot. A couple of bales, maybe a bale and a half per thousand square feet would be about right. And then water. Water it in nicely. It doesn't need to be soggy. Just water it in for 30 minutes, 40 minutes maybe would be about right for most irrigation systems to get it nice and and uh, watered in and the soil underneath soaked in real good. And then water it once a day, maybe very lightly for the next week or so. Keep the top half inch of, of soil moist. If you do that, in about a, ooh, seven to ten days, I'm thinking you wake up one morning, you look out there in the front lawn, and man, it's going to look green, it's going to look pretty, it's going to look, oh, it'll be just beautiful. Call your family, call your friends, and brag to them about how your lawn is now the best lawn in the neighborhood, and then what are you going to do about that? And then two months later, you're complaining about how to go out and mow that lawn that you spent so much time making looking pretty. So there's a, there's a downside to having a pretty lawn, too. Sometimes you have to mow. Let's go to the phones. we got our friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole. Miss Irene. Miss Nicole. Good morning, good morning. It is, it is gorgeous outside, Nicole. Clean and fresh, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What time did you get up this morning? Uh, 2.30, like every morning. And you went, did you go outside immediately? Or you yes, I always outside? go. I always go because I want to know what's happening in the street. <laughs> if I find a dead cat or a deer or yeah. some, something. Yeah. Have you ever seen coyotes down near, near your house, Nicole? I can hear them, Mr. Reed. Yeah. They go on, though, need the power line. And, woo, 
and there's another yeah. one that's probably five or six of them. Right, right, maybe. And you, some of the dogs around bark and to tell the coyotes to stay away. I've only seen them twice driving to the station in the last five years, I guess. I've not seen a lot of coyotes. I would have thought I would have seen more in the in the night. But, you know, like you, I hear them calling sometimes, but I rarely see them. Uh, is is the hummingbird, it's the time to help them. T- they are making the long journey, yes, isn't are. it? Yes, they are. Hummingbirds right now are sort of fueling up. If you talk about airplanes that get the fuel so they can fly to wherever you're going, then the hummingbird has got to have a lot of energy, and they need those uh, hummingbird feeders left up so they can visit and find them and, and go away. And I have a, a new kind of hummingbird feeder, Nicole. It is a long tube with the red ports, you know, along the top of it. It's probably a foot and a half long, I guess. And you fill the, the, um, this tube full of sugar water and um, put it out. And the hummingbirds, as you know, they're always fighting with each other. The male hummingbirds are always just bang, 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 fighting for access to the feeder. But because it's a foot and a half long, they will come one to one end and one to the other end and drink the nectar in peace without fighting with each other. So I like this little feeder. It works well. Well, you mean you see every year they have a good memory because they come back where they they remember. Maybe. And uh, every year I put this, in. but I get so sick of tired to fight with the ants. Uh-huh. Ants everywhere, uh-huh. and uh, even the hummingbirds just don't want to see ants. Well, yeah, there is a, a little gizmo called a I don't know. It's called a moat. I call it a moat. It's the kind of thing that you hang between uh, the feeder and the pole that the ants are climbing up and down, and the moat can be filled with water so the ants drown before they get into your sugar water. So if you haven't tried that, look online for a, okay. a hummingbird moat. I don't know any other name for it, but moat. It works. Because they're making this 500 miles in one shot. Yeah, they've got to go. They were flying along. It doesn't seem that there's any way in the world those little bitty wings that are feeding so fast that they could go that for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah. Maybe they have a tailwind. Maybe something else keeps them aloft. But I yeah, know. they really work. And then, so that's why feeding them is so important. I'll seed the head from the grass. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if as much as I hate that stupid grass. I, I thought it would be the last time before you tell me, but I had to mow it again. Yeah. But I noticed that uh, this grass got long red seed head. Hmm. I was thinking, boy, that's a lot of money right there. Well, <laughs> yeah, yesterday I was driving to Alabama to speak to some master gardeners over there, and I saw the Johnson grass and a couple of other, must have been a little bit of, of something else mixed in with it, but Johnson grass has very pretty sort of, purplish to reddish seed heads that I saw just along the highway and in the median going to Alabama. And I thought, well, that's really pretty. It's just a nice field of purplish red going in front of me. Well, my question is, does not seed air everywhere. It seems to me like where it's thin, the seed air got thicker. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, all the long no. Maybe, yeah, possibly. So seed heads are, you know, obviously necessary for the grass to reproduce itself, and most grasses have a very distinctive seed head. So when people ask me how do how do I know what kind of grass I have, many times I'll say, "What does the seed head look like?" And if they can tell me what the seed head looks like, I can tell you what grass they have. Looking at the clock, oh man, I'm out of here. I got to go, Nicole. It's great talking to you. Hope you have a great day and get outside. Enjoy that weather. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon, Nicole. 404-872-0750, the number. We'll be right back. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Boy, oh boy, it's a perfect day to watch the South Carolina chickens. We'll call them the chickens. That's good. Get smashed by the Georgia Bulldogs. Great games in on, on tap this afternoon. Sunny, warm afternoon highs in the upper 80s. Not any chance of rain today. It's going to be just blue skies above. And when the sun goes down, okay, clear skies still, still with us into the low 60s overnight. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News Talk WSB. And the pregame show for the South Carolina-Georgia Bulldog game starts at 2 p.m. here on the home of the dogs. At 626, real quickly, Kathy is in Jasper, Georgia. Now let's talk a little bit about those aphids, Kathy. Hey, good morning. Hey, Walter. How are you? I'm well, how can I help, Kathy? I have two river birches that I planted in the spring. One's doing great. It's yeah. growing, looks fine. The other one, not so much. It's, I, I went out there to water them yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was looking at the leaves. Every now and then on this one, some leaves will turn yellow and yeah. fall off. What do you see? Let's and go real quick I, here because I don't have a I'm lot of time. Pardon me? I said, I don't have a lot of time, so let's get to the, the nub here. What is, what's wrong with the, with the trees? Well, I think they have aphids on them. Okay. Generally speaking, aphids on birch trees are only a nuisance. They don't hurt the tree. Um, and the nuisance is the honeydew drops down out of the tree and gets on everything, your deck and the mulch and everything else in the world underneath. But they don't really, really hurt the trees. So if you have aphids on there, I don't know that I would really do anything about it. If you want to wash them off with a garden hose that washes the leaves too and so keeps the the leaves clean but aphids not a big deal i'm going to give you well, a they're a not pass going to kill that. the tree no 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 no. not going to kill the tree they will you know suck a little sap it's late in the season anyway so for me nbd no big deal wash them if you need to and within you know just a week or two or three then they all will be gone it'll all be gone kathy thanks so much for calling at 628 we'll be back to more lawn and garden right after news It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 and 63 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. Glad to have you here with us this morning. If you have a question, it is as simple as dialing the next 10 digits, 404-872-0750. And I know you can do it because I have people on the line right now who have, including Dennis in Rutledge, Georgia, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dennis, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Sir, how can I help? Okay. I've got about uh, 43 acres, and half of that I use for uh, my horses to right. go ahead as pasture. I have four horses, two donkeys, and two ponies on that. Right. So when would be a good time uh, to aerate and go ahead and put down rye grass? Mm, I started the show talking about fescue, but in the back of my head I was thinking, and rye grass too, this would be a, a good time to plant rye right now. Now for the next month is probably peak time for to plant rye grass for pastures. Okay. Well, I appreciate it very much. Well, so that's the answer. You have, a, you have a great show. That was simple, wasn't it? Yeah, it was real simple. I sort of like that question, Dennis. You're doing well this morning. I yeah. got a one for you one have, already. Yeah, Tom, I can ask you one quick question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have Bermuda around my house, 
we put down sod. It's been there for about eight years. It looks really pretty. But I get up in the morning yesterday, I see, and it's been going on for about six weeks. When I cut it, it kind of goes away. I have sprigs on top of the grass. It just looks like something that pulled up the sprig and put them on top of my grass. Huh. Could that be, uh, what could that be? How big are the sprigs? Is it just one or two leaves of grass, or is it a whole big No, it's, it's like a, a Bermuda sprig. A whole sprig has been pulled up. It looks like two uh, two things of grass. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's been pulled up by the roots, and it lays on top of the uh, Bermuda. It sounds like birds to me. Um, if it were, let's say, squirrels or raccoons, the sprigs would be a little bit bigger, particularly for raccoons. It'll be a big wad of grass that they pull up sometimes looking for grubs. Um, right. But birds, I think, are the only thing that would make little bitty pieces in sprigs. So that's my guess is birds. Okay. And it's not okay. going to hurt anything anyway. I mean, Bermuda grass grows fast and repairs the divots, and so I don't think you have anything to worry about. But it's sometimes, okay. like you probably know, it's interesting just for a curiosity thing, just to figure out what is doing it. I think right. birds. Okay, well, thank you. Hey, you have a great show. I enjoy listening to you. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate it, Dennis. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Okay, thank you, sir. Calvin Bye. is up in Bethlehem and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Calvin, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, I've had a high business that I've had planted for four or five years, and it's, plant, it's always bloomed. But for the last two years, I haven't got any blooms on it. Got some uh, black spots on the leaves. Yeah. I'm just wondering why it's not blooming. Tell me what the flower looks like, Calvin, because there are about five hibiscus types or species uh, that I they're see. Kinda, they're kind of purplish in color, bluish. Uh-huh. Okay. Lots and lots. Really of the, I don't really know the species of it. Could it be a Rose of Sharon hibiscus? Do you think anybody ever said, hey, that's a good-looking Rose of Sharon over there, Calvin? No, not really. Uh, that is my suspicion that that's what you have because if you had the swamp hibiscus or the scarlet hibiscus or the tropical hibiscus, each one has a different flower shape. And for the swamp hibiscus, you would have said something like, it's got great big flowers, big as a dinner plate. But the Rose of Sharon is more like a bush that has a lot of smaller flowers on it, and it's very common in Georgia landscape. So that's what I guess you have is the Rose of Sharon. And... I, you know, guessing all that still doesn't give me an answer of why yours isn't blooming very well because my neighbor has one. It's covered in flowers. So I've seen more than one, several, several, several of these rows of shares that have bloomed very nicely. So I don't have an answer. I'll just put it down for you right down the, on the ground that yeah, I don't have an answer why a rose of Sharon would not bloom. As I say, a lot of people have them, and they seem to bloom this year just fine in my observation. And for you, Calvin, if it looks green, if the leaves are good, and the plant looks healthy and happy, I guess we just say it's a mystery and chalk it up to wait for next year. Is it good, good to prune back every year real good, or... It might be, depending on what time you did the pruning. If you had pruned it, let's say, back in um, June, maybe, this year, that might explain why you wouldn't get any flowers, because the flower buds are forming sometime in late spring and early summer, and then they open up in the fall, sometimes starting in August, I guess. So, yeah, if you did a severe pruning back in the early summer, that could have removed all the buds and would explain everything. Uh, we didn't. We didn't cut it at all. Okay. That's why I'm wondering if I needed to cut it. Maybe I don't think new so. growth coming back. If if you need to cut it, do it in the wintertime because then it has all of the spring of the following year to make the buds and then to flower in the in the late summer. So uh, unless there's some reason to prune it, then 
you don't, but if you think, well, it just needs to be shorter or it's beating against the windows or something like that, then go ahead and do it in the winter. January, February is great. Okay. Right. Well, I appreciate it. You have a great day. Calvin, yourself the same. We'll see you soon. Okay. Comes now Brother Mike from Canton, Georgia, who joins us in Lawn and Garden. Mike, hey, man, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How you doing? What's up? Hey, listen, the last two seasons, I plant my vegetable garden, and my summer squash looking great. I think I'm going to get a big harvest. And uh, then the plants start wilting and dying, and I, I visibly can see what I call squash bugs, little hard shell yeah. bugs on yeah. it. And I think I may have the vine borers, too. And trying to figure out what to do, I keep these, so I, I don't want to spray a lot of pesticides right. around. Right. Um, how many squash plants do you have? About 20. <sighs> That's tough because it's it's a lot of labor to do what I'm about to tell you. And 20 plants is, again, a lot of labor. If you have squash vine borers, to me, the most effective way of preventing them is to cover them with this polyester stuff they call floating row cover. It's really, really yeah. light. It lets rain through and all. And if you can cover it completely when the squash plants are young and keep it covered until it's uh, the squash is a foot or so high, um, you're keeping the moths that lay the eggs that make the squash vine borer, you're keeping those moths away from the plant, and that's great. And then once they start blooming, you take the row cover off, and then you don't have any squash vine borers much to speak of. Um, if you've got squash bugs, on the other hand, uh, they need uh, some sort of insecticidal treatment, whether organic or synthetic. Squash bugs don't go away by themselves, and they do make a lot of damage to squash plants. Well, I can spray them. You know, before they start blooming, my bees won't be in there. Yeah, so I can yeah. spray them ahead of the bloom. If, if you want an organic spray, the uh, spinosad is considered an organic insecticide, and uh, the brand name is Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. And you can find that at Pikes pretty easily. So uh, look for Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. It's an organic insecticide. It'll be about 70 to 80% effective on, on the squash uh, bugs, and you need to spray a couple of times to get all of them. Try to get it early rather than late because the younger they are, the more sensitive they'll be to the poison. Okay. Are they for the boars laid in the spring of that year, or are they in the ground from prior year? There are some that survive over winter, but mostly they uh, come up from other places in southern, more southern Georgia. So I think it's better to, if you're going to spray the plants or put a little of the Captain Jack stuff on the stem of the plant, you would do that when the squash is about a foot tall, about 8 to, eight to 12 inches tall. Okay. Any value in tilling in the winter when it's cold? That uh, yeah, you know, that's a great, great idea. It sure is that there are enough other insects and maybe some squash vine borers, too, in the ground around your squash plot that you have these 20 uh, plants on. And so, sure, in January when it's so cold, you say, I just don't want to be outside. That's a really good time to be outside and till up the ground and turn it over somewhere to get those grubs up and frozen and dried out and gone. And that makes a lot of a lot of sense to do that uh, in the cold weather to get rid of the bugs in the warm weather. Okay, thank you. All right, Mike. Hey, man, thanks for calling. Have a good day. We've got uh, Lewis or Luis, one or the other, in North Carolina who joins us this morning. One, two, three, fourth line. There we go. Hey, Lewis, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, uh, I talked to you early in the spring about the aquaponics. And uh, I started this year, and I had really good success with it. Um, I put the uh, vegetable plants and a, a light gravel and just yeah. let the fish water filtrate through and uh, the great 
thing is there's no weeding necessary whatsoever. <laughs> How many fish do you have? What size tank do you have for the aquaponic project? I, I got about a 60-gallon tank. I, I got a small setup to just experiment with yeah. it. And about, about, got about 50 goldfish what I started out with. And they do just fine. I didn't haven't really gone any further with it. Uh, I, I live in Commerce, Georgia. Right. I'm on the I'm a truck driver. Right, right, right. Do you remember at the time when we discussed it earlier? Do you remember me talking at all about my turtle ponics uh, project yep, that I had? I did. I I, I heard you talk about that. And I heard you say it wasn't very well. Yeah, uh, Al. I, for me, it, it was an interesting experiment, but ultimately, I didn't get any tomatoes and squash. And for listeners who are wondering what exactly we're talking about here, aquaponics is a process by using that you use water from a uh, closed source, like a, a pond or from a pool or something like that. We have a lot of fish, and you take the water out of that pool, put it on the ground or on a on a uh, sort of hydroponic system, and Put that enriched fish poop water. That's the best way to describe it. Fish poop, or in my case, turtle poop water. You put that onto the uh, gravel where your tomatoes or squash or whatever are planted, and theoretically they will remove the nutrients from the water and pump it back into the pond and have sort of a closed loop where you can eat the fish out of the pond and you can eat the vegetables from your from your hydroponic situation. And that's what uh, that we've been doing. Lewis has been doing for the past several months is trying to figure out how to do it best. I think so. I think so. Also, I tried this year too. I, I noticed I was getting an algae forming in the tank. So yeah. I ran over to Home Depot. I got some uh, pond lilies and stuck them in there. Within the day, it just sucked that algae right out of that tank. I had nothing left. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was a great way to keep the water clean. And tell me again what you put in there. What was pond lilies? I, I grew uh, tomatoes and oh. uh, lettuce this year. Yeah. And they took all the algae because algae is just a—I mean, it's a plant. It's like your tomato plant or a squash plant or anything else. So algae right. in a pond usually means there's too much nutrition coming in, whether it's from you accidentally put some lawn fertilizer in there, or a lot of fish, or a lot of other animals that are excreting into the water, and that causes the algae to bloom, and it makes it sort of pea soup-like. But putting plants in to absorb the nitrogen out of the water clears, it, clears things up pretty well. Well, that, that's a it's a great it's a great uh, fun thing if you want to just have fun with it. I I, I really enjoy it. I'm going to try some other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you have to get all the dirt off the roots if you're going to transplant and put it down in the gravel because uh, if you have any dirt on your roots, it'll, it'll cause the roots to rot. Wow. You don't want any any root any any kind of soil whatsoever. All you need is that gravel bed sure. on the root system. Have you done straw bale gardening yet, Lewis? <laughs> I have not. I will tell you that that is another thing. It will suck your time right out of your summer, and that is to get the straw bales. I'm not going to go through it right now. But if you want another project to do when you're off, you know, you're away from home for a while and you come back to home, straw bale gardening is really fun, interesting to do, and you're the kind of guy who likes to do these experiments in the garden. So uh, look that up. A couple of books on it. Joel um, Caston, I think, has a real neat straw bale gardening book. And uh, if you want something else to play with, straw bale gardening is as equally interesting, I think is the aquaponics and maybe ultimately a little more successful too about growing your vegetables hey man i got to get out of here drive safely lewis we'll see you soon at 6:48. you're listening to lawn and garden this is scott slade host of atlanta's morning news on news 95 5 at am 750 wsb we'll be covering breaking news kirk mellis weather and traffic red alerts through the weekend and the southeast largest news team is here for you first thing monday morning when you head back to work news 95 5 at am 750 wsb now back to walter reeves the lawn and garden advice you need 
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a gorgeous day today. Get your little radio something, go outside and work in the garden and listen to the Bulldogs on News Talk WSB because they'll be playing today at 2 o'clock. Temperatures today maybe going into the upper 80s, but not very unpleasant, I don't think. Overnight, clear skies. It's going to be great overnight. And lows dropping into the lower 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And right this very minute, Hiller, or Harry excuse me, Harry in Paulding County joins us. Hey, Harry. Good morning. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I have uh, caterpillars yeah. eating away at a tree in my front yard. And what I need to know is, since the leaves are going to fall off anyway, do I need to get rid of them now or wait till spring? Your instincts are perfectly correct. They will not do much damage at all to the uh, oak tree, and you can leave them alone, and they may or may not come back next year. Oak, it's called, the from just an identification uh, information, it's called the orange-striped oak worm. Is the caterpillar most often seen in oak trees around September uh, in the, each year. And uh, they can drop out of the tree and sort of disgust people who have trees, oak trees, over their patio. But as far as permanent damage to the oak tree, no, they don't do much damage at all. They eat the leaves, yeah, but the leaves would fall off anyway. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much. It's one of those NBDs, no big deal, is what I say. You just know what they do. Orange stripe oak worm, probably you will not see them again next year. But you can at least tell your neighbors you know what it is. If they have it, you just spread the word. Orange striped oak worm. Even though it's a caterpillar, we call them all worms, I guess. And if you just had to spray, there's an organic spray. It uh, has a stuff called BT in there. So caterpillar killer, caterpillar attack. Dipel, there are several names for this BT stuff, but it's very organic, kills the worms, makes them stop feeding within almost 10, 12, 24 hours maybe, and uh, you can control them very easily with BT if you care to, but there's really not much need to do that. Thanks for calling, Harry. We'll have great questions coming up. Taking back Indian Hawthorne, planting Japanese maple, walnuts versus pecan trees, and did anyone know this day is Talk Like a Pirate Day? Is it? I don't know. We'll talk to the pirates and find out at 6.57, and we'll be back after news.